So guys, I have to I have to put this out there in the universe just because it's been bothering the hell out of me. I don't know if you saw recently that Gabrielle Union goes 50-50 on everything with Dwayne Wade. That man has been in the NBA for 20 plus years and he is making this woman go 50-50 with him. And he had a baby on her. He had a baby on her. He probably makes like how many more times than she does? Like there's no... I, I don't really think there's an excuse for that in any way, shape, or form. That man is worth $127 million. Absolutely not. If that is your net worth, you better not even look at my wallet. Will, get out of here. Get out of here. as women especially as black women do not ask us to do anything because you know what we fucking did everything so don't ask me don't do it Ooh, i was mad and she had a baby and he had a baby on her that's the part that makes it so much like that makes it worse than like just unacceptable in my opinion you know what i mean like you're not you're not you are not asking me for shit if you are running around yeah yeah that's fine with me that's fine with me that's that's a that is one thing though you know what i'm saying like the splitting bills conversation should uh should not be lumped in with that if if Dwayne acted his way out of splitting bills i have no problem with that he should have acted right all right, we're going to end there. Um, this trifling ass comments. Um, Anna, welcome to Red Receipts. We're so happy to have you. Thought we would start off hot. Um, we're so happy to have you. Introduce yourself. Give us your little intro, your little bio. Tell the listeners who you are. By all means. I, so, uh, yes, hello. Uh, Anna Hopkins. I am, I don't think I can call myself a journalist anymore um as i have not actually written things uh for the public in quite some time but i do um work for the associated press i live in austin texas uh homies with with will and dom for a few years here by the grace of god (laughs) hell yeah um (laughs) yeah here to share my wisdom i guess yeah we know you have a lot of it it's only because i've uh, done everything wrong the first time uh, that I have anything to to impart. I love that. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's I. I truly believe in that. I have made every wrong decision and then stumbled into the right one. Um, in the last twenty nine years of my life. Yeah. Do you like? Cause, cause I think of you as like a legitimate New Yorker. You know, like I feel like being our age we know all these people who've spent a certain amount of time in New York, but I I don't think of them all as New Yorkers. And I, I definitely think of you as one. So like, how is it being away from New York? Like, how do you, like, do you miss it? Do you find yourself like, like, did it feel natural? Like what, what's kind of the, what's the vibe? That's a good question. I mean, I like, I, I am very touched that you consider me a, a true New Yorker. I mean, I was there almost seven years. 
Um, my thing was that, like, I, and this is a hot take, but, like, I never really wanted to live in New York. Like, I grew up in Atlanta. I went to UGA. I was happy to stay in Atlanta. Like, I, I, New York wasn't my vision or, like, you know, I, that was, it wasn't my dream like it is for so many people. Yeah. And then I ended up, but then my first job offer out of college was in New York. And then I just kept, I stuck around for so long. And I think it was just kind of like a combination of, of circumstances that made it make sense for me to leave when I did, like, I don't need to be here because I'm working remotely now. I am tired of being so far away from my family. I want to be closer to either one of, one of my parents. My dad lives here in Austin and my mom lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, okay, we're going to pick Austin. Because uh, I also have some really close friends that live down here as well. Um, so, yeah, it all just kind of came together in that way. And, like, it, actually, I, we're coming up on uh, exactly my one-year anniversary from leaving New York is Memorial Day weekend. Wow. Damn. And I, like, will never forget that moment of leaving the city. It was pouring rain, of course. And, like, it just really hit me all of a sudden when I was getting on the BQE. I was like whoa like i'm leaving i'm i'm gone like i I don't know when i'm gonna come back like that's so odd you know and that really really shook Mm -hmm. me um but i don't it's really strange i have not really felt like homesick for new york except for a couple of times the first of which was Hmm. when i really really wanted i was having like a shitty day and I had a little wine and I was like going to watch some TV and I was like, oh my God, what I want more than anything is uh, ramen from this ramen spot I used to always go to in Williamsburg. And they had these curry puffs that they would give you too that were so good. And I searched the entirety of the Austin metro area for anything remotely similar. Oh, no. Like, oh, man. <laughs> and when I really... I really wanted to go to like a jazz bar and see some jazz and like have a little classy uh, like martini moment. And there's nothing like that in Austin either. So mm. <laughs> and of course I have like just my resting state of like always missing my friends. That goes without saying like in New York, you know? Yeah. And those were kind of the two times that I, that I, that I missed it. But I think that there is like, there's so much that is really, really unique to New York as a place and very special and I did become over the years one of those people that really identified with the community and like with the you know just just what it is to to live in New York and be a New Yorker whatever that means there's so much more than the city but then you go back to Manhattan or you go back to Brooklyn or Queens or the Bronx or wherever you're from in New York and you're like wait nothing like this nothing like this so I get that yeah well, it's the first place, like, it's the first place we all lived as adults, too. So, like, I, and I'm curious, like, that had to be scary, no? Just the part of not even leaving New York, but just, like, you've only really known one place as a, a grown-up, really. And it is so funny that you say that, Will, because I was, like, before I, before we got on here, I was thinking about, you know, my life here and just, like, reflecting on how different it is. And I don't think, I actually think that here in Austin is like when I actually started to feel like an adult for the first time. In a oh, 
I think because I was in New York, you know, just like you guys have been like my whole twenties, like all of my early twenties, I was in New York and oh my God, was I just so feral and like, I had no money and like, I just would survive on like espresso martinis bought to me by like shitty finance dudes and like a dollar slice of pizza and like a cigarette. You know what I mean? Like that was like what my life was truly <laughs> like until I left New York. Like I never stopped feeling like a 22 year old the whole time I lived there. And I still kind of feel like that, but like, you know, I think my mentality about life has changed a lot. My style has changed a lot since I moved. I feel like I have a greater understanding of, of myself. Most importantly, you know, I get to, create a home kind of in a way that I always envisioned and saw adults having, you know what I mean? That I never really got to do. Mm, Yeah. You're all, you know, you're in a high rise or you're in a walk up and you have, you're so limited with like the space that you have. And so having a little more space contributed to that and feeling, and also just being able to start over. I felt like I had this, it's, it's really odd because you have the ability to recreate the the patterns that you lived your life up to in that point which you can do at any time anywhere you know but the move really brought that out for me i think i always wonder if that flip, switch is gonna flip for me so it sounds like i have to leave new york how was it moving and then also starting a new job amongst other chaos going on so well yeah i mean you know i had my job where i when i was and also that was the thing because when i was at i was at twitter at the time when i moved but things were starting to look a little crazy um, with Elon taking over. I suspected for a long time that my team was probably going to get laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I figured if I were to get laid off, then I would be somewhere where there was a lot of like tech opportunity, which often is huge. And so I felt like, well, at least I'll be in a good you know place if I do get laid off, which I then did. Um, but actually, I took like two or three months to just chill, like when I when I got laid off, which was really fortunate. I do think that is one of the like very big differences as well, like between my life in New York and my life in Austin, is that I have so many more like hobbies now that I didn't have in New York. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's such a social place, and like of course there's room for for hobbies and all of that kind of shit. But like the, the mental state that I was in was just, there wasn't room for that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And now that I'm out here, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm super into gardening. As I said, bird watching creeps up on you as a hobby. Once you hit like the late twenties, I swear to God, but, uh, got laid off, had all this free time, did not know what to do with myself at all. Uh, and took a little time around the holidays to just chill and kind of like get in a better mental space because the whole process of the layoff from Twitter was really emotional and mm-hmm. just like, you know, I'd been there for three years. I loved my job. I really, really, really loved my job. And so I, but I got this new opportunity, started the new role and um, very different from what I was doing it's a lot more kind of like operations centered than editorial which is I've only ever done editorial work like my whole career and the Associated Press is also pretty unique as far as journalism organizations go because they're primarily B2B Mm. Um, it's not as much of a B2C kind of organization so 
that's an adjustment for me as well because I've never really worked at a place like that. So I'm learning. People are being very patient with me, which is great. <laughs> and also transitioning from being in tech to back to journalism where I was before, which was not really something I saw myself doing um, mm -hmm. is, is intriguing for sure. Well, and, and before Twitter, too, you were at XXL and you were at, uh, you spent time at Genius, right? I was at XXL. I, I freelanced for Genius. Um, I freelanced. I, I started out at the Daily Mail. I did a lot of, I was the, I freelanced for the Miami New Times. I was their hip hop writer for the Miami New Times for a while. I just, again, like, what have I ever, <laughs> I have never had a, I've never had a plan. I've never had a clue. I am doing, like, I've always just done what I wanted to do. A lot of times that has not been the correct next move for me, but you can always set yourself back on whatever path makes sense, you know? And, like, I don't know. I think so much of life is not linear. But, yeah, I, I worked at XXL, um, which was very cool. Um, I made no money <laughs> at all. I mean, the, the music industry is absurd. I feel like no one makes money except for Jay-Z. Like, I feel like that is perhaps the only person <laughs> in the industry who makes money. I mean, I mean, journalism is a largely underpaid industry. Totally. The music industry is also a largely underpaid industry. So it's kind of a great marriage if you're really <laughs> passionate about making no money. I have a lot of great stories from like that time, like getting to meet so many rappers that I loved and learning you know having such an interesting access to like new music and and mm -hmm. all of that um it was a really really challenging job I mean they you're expected to be basically on call 24 7 so there were days I would work like 15 hours a day every day like Monday to Sunday yeah wow so it's um it's definitely and the it can be kind of toxic, I think, like the music industry mm. as well, because people get you get into the music industry because you're so passionate about music. Right. And I think that that can sometimes become a bit like weaponized when you know, if you're like, if you can't do this, then like you're you're just not passionate enough or you're not serious enough about the music. And it's like, no, of course I am. I just also am serious about like having a life. Else, you know what I mean? Like, right. I think the, the hustle culture is really really prominent like kind of in that industry and you know kudos if that's for you but like it's certainly not for everyone and it's not for mm -hmm. me <laughs> were you always a huge hip-hop fan or like you kind of just fell into that oh always yeah my whole life um which is like really kind of odd I don't think I really look like someone that would be very into hip-hop I get that a lot um like, but I started the first hip hop album I ever really listened to that like really cemented me like being a lifelong hip hop hip hop fan was the Carter Three by Lil Wayne. Oh gosh, yep, yep. <laughs> all time. Um, and before that, I like still did. I like listened to rap. You know what I mean? But like that was the one album that I was like, I want to feel this feeling that I'm feeling right now for fucking ever. 
and then I did. And I still listen to the Carter Three on a weekly basis, probably. Like, it's still one of my favorite albums of all time. Will, what was yours? My first? Like that, like your dad or your mom played, and you were like, oh, that's different. Well, that was college dropout through the wire specifically mm-hmm. unfortunately not unfortunately it's a great album it's a great song <laughs> well we can still love old Kanye, right you can love conway to like two up i feel think. like i miss him i think so too that's when i the life of pablo was the last kanye album that i really listened to and liked and after that i was like what the fuck is all right this? i feel like i can listen to t-lop all the way through no skips and then i don't i don't feel bad like i feel like oh he like kind of ate that album up but after that it gets it it's right not even kanye it was like right after that the release of that album i think he started to really struggle like with his mental health and like, yeah that it all like really came to a head like actually in 2018 when i was working for double xl and i'll never forget like there was one day the the editor in chief of Double XL came up behind me and she said, "Hey, have you seen uh, Kanye's Instagram posts today?" And I said, "No." And she just patted me on the back and goes, "That'll be the rest of your day and night. So enjoy that." <laughs> no, <laughs> no, man. Still to this day, like to this day, I developed during the Yay album rollout. I was also at Double XL at that time. Uh huh. It was so unbelievably stressful trying to cover that rollout that I developed a stress twitch in my eye that still to this day, if I get like really stressed, I'll get a stress twitch in my eye and I'm like, oh my God, I'm yay level stressed. Yay level stress. Oh my God. Was that the the album with the mountains cover? Yeah. I honestly don't even think I like, I listened to it. Like I was like, this has been the bane of my existence. (laughs) And I think I listened to like two songs of it and I was like, this is what I fucking work so hard to like cover. This is trash. Okay, that's a good, that's a good, that's an interesting question because like, I feel like I see this with, we'll take for example, basketball writers because it's the playoffs right now. I feel like most established longtime basketball writers at this point hate basketball and most of their content is just, is like complain, complain, complain. Like it used to be better, blah, blah, blah. So-and-so needs to do this better. Like being in the music industry and around it for a number of years and now being removed from it. Like, was there ever a difference in uh, your enjoyment of let's, let's say rap specifically, because that was kind of the genre you worked in. Um, But are you able to kind of enjoy music differently now? I mean, you know, I'm not like into basketball, so I don't really, I I don't really have a frame of reference exactly for, for basketball writers, but like I do, when I was working for Double XL, I hated listening to rap music. Like, I stopped. It really, like, it kind of, like, stomped my love of hip-hop, like, out of me. Because mm. it was just kind of a miserable job. And But also just, like, I think being involved in that domain so intensely in any, in any genre, you know what I mean, can kind of... Mm-hmm. It takes away from the enjoyment a little bit, like, when it becomes your job. Um, yeah. How did you I, deal with, like, the controversial aspect of that genre as well? Like, it just being either misogynistic, sexist, homophobic. 
Like, I don't know how I would reconcile with that. It's a it's a conversation that we had a lot when I was working at XXL because, like, it, the root of the question essentially is, can you separate the art from the artist? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, can you – and it's like, you know, it's like Kanye. Like, can you still enjoy Kanye's – is it – how acceptable is it to still, like, enjoy the product that is being created by someone who is inherently, like, very problematic? Like – I don't know that I have the answer to it. And I think it's really kind of a case by case basis thing. You know what I mean? But I did, you know, it is, I think in a, in a sense, because so much of like what's actually being like talked about in rap music is so not in line with like what my actual life is like, it's kind of easier (laughs) to engage in the content because, you know, it's not, it's more, it's and that's a part of like what makes it so great is being able to like experience someone else's worldview through their music and and that's just such an element of the culture you know what i mean but you know it's, mm-hmm. it is something that like i think it most of the time i am able to separate the art from the artist but but in a lot of cases you you just can't you know like, it's a yeah it's a yeah. weird genre because now hip-hop artists are almost like rock stars of like the 70s and the 80s where they have these absurd lives and it's only few rappers can you actually relate to what they're talking about or the yeah, most popular ones it's a bit kind of slam for being like soft or whatever you know what I mean? right we were talking about that a couple weeks ago with like tyler the creator and he's probably one of the only rappers who you can probably listen to and like, oh, that's that's cute. I get that. And whereas like you listen to Future and you're like, well, I don't know what this man is talking about at all. Like this man is out of pocket. So. And I understand. Like I've seen Future seven times. He's good. <laughs> that's crazy. Hell yeah. Good for like, you. That's like what I really grew up on too. Like being from Atlanta. Like that's just – and also I think it's a part of like – it was also a, a – something I had to be very wary of when I was working in that space because like I am like a white woman you know what I mean like there are so many elements like of the culture that I'm not qualified to speak on you know right. what I mean? like and it's not my it, it's not my wheelhouse I I you know there are so many like conversations about race and gender and all of that stuff that goes into it and I can only speak like from being a woman but you know there's there's so many elements of the culture that i simply like even though i was raised in atlanta even though i like always grew up like kind of in and around the black community like it's still i'm still not qualified like to to speak on that and that's fine by me you know what i mean i'm happy to hear Mm -hmm. folks who are qualified to talk about it talk about it you know what i mean but but that was really future was like what i grew up on actually while we're talking about because i was thinking about future and how many kids he has Right. On, uh, there was this article that came out on People about the canon and how he doesn't have to pay child support for like some of his kids, I guess, because he has so many kids that like at a certain point, it's like capped. The court says like, yeah, reasonably, you can't be expected to pay for this many kids. <laughs> Whoa! I had to sit down one day and like create a diagram of like Nick Cannon's children because there was simply so much going on. Like I. There were, at one point, there were, like, two coming at the same time by different women, and I was like... Yeah, that was recently, wasn't it? He doubles back a lot, though. So, like, child number one and eight have, like, the same mom. It's very bizarre. You're right. 
He's efficient. Wow. He's efficient. He want to incre- increase his body count. So he's like, let me spin the block real quick. He must be such a likable guy. No, I don't think he is. On some real shit. No, no, likable. Say it again. Oh, he hosts all those shows. <laughs> he hosted America's Got Talent too. He's a good host. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. He just is full, like, he only has jobs that are like, hey, be a likable guy on camera. And then he has, has two babies with the same woman 10 years apart after having babies with six other women in between. You know, like, he must, you must just be like, ah, all right. Oh, Nick, you got me again. Also hopping into music. Did you guys listen to the Katrina album? No, I gotta listen to that. I haven't listened to it yet. It's good. It's a different sound, in my opinion. It's it's something like I've never really heard before. And I think at first, the first lesson, I was a bit iffy on it. And I didn't think that Aminé's vocals blended as well. But then I listened to it two, three more times today, and I was into it. I was like, oh, I, this is different. The beats are sick. Kitronata is just That's so talented. It happens like that for me too. Like I always have to like spend something a few times before I can actually make a decision about it. Cause like the first time I hear something, it's very rare for me to be like, Oh yeah. Like I'm really into this. I'm going to keep listening to it. You know, Summer Walker also, she also speaking of getting canceled, got canceled kind of because she like, she had her baby with London on the track. And then she posted on like in an Instagram live or something like some food she was making her baby. And it was like, some weird shit like do you remember oh i remember that i don't remember yeah like i think there was like dirt involved and i was like are you feeding your baby dirt like i i it was very odd it was so bad i this is my thing and i actually told my friends this this weekend i don't want celebrities to do anything than what they are what their profession is i would love to get your opinion anna since i know you've interviewed rappers but like i just hate i just hate, it's like my pet peeve i just want them to shut up and like do their job shut up and dribble no, says ass, like, actually like what say you Anna? it's my I, thing <laughs> okay yes because i have interviewed a lot of rappers stop the campaign I, that i am very much behind is stop asking rappers shit that you can't reasonably reasonably expect them to have a fucking opinion on you know right what I mean? like i feel like tmz is like the number one proponent of this because they'll go up to like i don't know somebody like ridiculously famous that is probably completely untethered to reality and be like hey what do you think of the black lives matter movement it's like don't <laughs> that's a little way they, they did it he was like what <laughs> he was like i'm trying to get this pardon <laughs> exactly but like also i think a big part of that is the more famous you get, the more detached from reality you become. Right. Um, oh, easily. One of those celebrities, which are few and far between, that make a real concentrated effort to be up to date with what's going on. Like in the Taylor Swift example, like I, I'm not a Swifty by any means, but like I think because she has like this insane fan base right like for her to come out and be like no i'm gonna like speak on women's rights i'm gonna speak on lgbt rights like that's good i i am i think that that's good for someone like her to do something like that you know what i mean like i don't i don't need future to come out and say like you know whatever comment on like political stuff like i <laughs> I, I support the american family <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, he does clearly. Um, well, yeah, yeah, no, you. Th- 
I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think particularly like, but like when it comes to, to some folks that don't necessarily, unless it's like kind of required of you because of how famous you are to like say something about something. I don't, it, you know, I mean, I interviewed Rick Ross and I didn't ask him about politics. You know what I mean? Like that's, right. That's Rick Ross's Over Under, I think, is my favorite video that's ever been on YouTube. He's so funny, man. And he honestly, like, when I interviewed him, he was so nice. And, like, I – so I interviewed him over the phone because um, he was in Miami, I think. And, like, uh, I was so excited because he was, like, the most – he's probably the f- most famous rapper I've ever interviewed. And um, so there were – he was on the line basically the way they do it is, like, he'll do a few interviews with, like, a few journalists and folks will, like, call in when it's their time. So I, like, called in and mm-hmm. I was like, hi, like, you know, this is uh, uh, Anna. I'm, like, you know, with – I was with the Miami paper at the time. So I was like, you know, here's where I'm working. Like, thanks so much for speaking to me. Like, I won't take up too much of your time. And he was like – he goes, hello, Anna. Thank you so much. How are you doing today? I was like <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> enough about me rick ross (laughs) and it was kind of a full circle moment for me too because my first when i came to new york to do my when i was in college to do my job interview for the job that i that ended up bringing me to new york my first job out of college rick ross was on my flight and i took a picture with him oh my god hey it was very cool all right before we get out of here i want your three in kind of in that subject, I want your three best interviews of all time, your three best interviewees, we should say. And then since you're a white woman being so respectful around uh, the culture of rap, I want your three moments where you felt most frustrated about having to defend your very well-informed rap opinion. <laughs> the best interviews I, the best interview I did, well, I mean, Rick Ross obviously goes without saying. I also interviewed Salt and Peppa, and uh, I immediately got fucking clowned by Salt because I <laughs> damn people in uh, at Outside Lands in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So it's a festival. Like I'm wearing like beat up Stan Smiths or whatever, like to the interview, and like literally, like before she even said hello, she goes. Baby, those sneakers have seen better days. And I was like, this is the worst moment of my whole life. Wow. Good. (laughs) What did you say? What did you say? Did you stand up for yourself? No. I just was so flabbergasted. (laughs) And I was like, I can't come back from this. How will they ever take me seriously ever again? Um, Let's see. And then I did do... Because I was the news editor at XXL, I didn't do as many interviews as, as um, we had, like, writers that were more geared towards, like, doing interviews and, like, feature stuff for the magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after XXXTentacion uh, was killed, I interviewed his, speaking of controversial folks, um, I interviewed the girlfriend that he had who had uh, pressed charges against him for uh, domestic violence. Um Wow. I did a really very measured interview with her and I was really impressed by her because, you know, he had according, you know, allegedly traumatized her, um, you know, so, and that was also my first experience, like interviewing someone that has experienced something like that. So 
I was trying to be very careful in the context of what I was speaking to her about. And also in the context of like, he had literally died probably like a week prior. That one was a really important interview for me, I think, because I, I was proud of the way that I handled it. And I was really impressed by her and just her vulnerability and her, and her maturity and everything that she said to me. I just was really, um, I was really grateful that she wanted to speak with me and felt comfortable talking about that stuff with me. And, um, Mm. That interview actually never got to print. Yeah, I won't uh, go into the details of it so much, but uh, I will say that that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back of me wanting to give double XL. Yeah. Um, so. Rightfully uh, so. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, you know, also the fact that I had been working like 80, 90 hour weeks for eight months and making $40,000 a year was a big one as well. But yeah, that was, and, um, God, I mean, the times that I have to defend myself, I, you know, it's not even, hello, please move. Um, here's another thing that I'll say. Men in Austin are really a rare breed in, uh, how they think, how smart they think they are. Um, and they, dudes will argue with me about shit that, like, like they'll argue with me about, like, stuff on Twitter. Like, Twitter policies and, like, Twitter <laughs> algorithms. And I'm like, I hate the fucking algorithm. Why are you arguing with me about this? Like, I, like, I'm telling you that what you're saying is not true because I work there and I know. Anyway. Right. And the same thing about music. Like, people are just always, like, you know, they just, I actually, I find myself really not having to defend myself so much in that capacity because, like, I say that I worked at Double XL and people think that's really cool and they mostly just want to talk like about my music and opinions. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. So I, I find myself, yeah, not having to, to defend myself so much in that respect, but I do find myself having to defend myself a lot more in regards to my role at Twitter. Frankly, I do kind of feel like, I'm sorry, and now I'm getting kind of off topic, but like another thing that I like was thinking about when you guys asked me to come on the pod was like that, and it's so funny that you say that because I've never really felt much like an Aries. I don't really have a big temper or anything like that, but I do find now that I'm starting to, I mean, I'm 29. It's about time that I start to feel like a grown up. but now that I'm starting to feel like a grown up, I find that I'm a lot more, um, I understand my own boundaries and my own deal breakers and mm-hmm. what I deserve and what I should be expecting from from my job, from my friends, from my family, from a romantic partner. You know what I mean? And I find that, like, I think that maybe I am growing into my sun sign more because I think I am upholding, I'm setting those boundaries and upholding those boundaries a lot better than I ever have. Um, right. Before. Good. So, which is important. I mean, I think it's hard when you're younger because you you can only have done so much work by the age of, like, like we're 25. You can only do have so much work and to figuring out what works for you, what boundaries to set because you just haven't experienced as much. I mean, I don't think I would That's too much. I think if I had to date like a 37-year-old right now, I'd be like uh, like I don't really like we're not going to relate on so many different things. Like it's just going to be like a complete gap in or like a cognitive dissonance almost between like the way you see the world yeah, and but I see he the might, world. Yeah, he might sweep you off your feet though. I fall in love every day. So like, yeah, a 37-year-old <laughs> 
could I could fall in love with them, sure. But like I'm that saying it might true. be harder. <laughs> All right, we'll get out of here. Anna, last thoughts, last tips for the girls, last controversial opinion, anything? My parting words, I think, will be that there are a lot of different ways to live your life and you are never too late or too old or too young or whatever to live the kind of life that you want. So, I love that. See, that's the Aries in you. I there love you go. it. <laughs> A little crazy. I see it. Thank you.